Welcome to episode 256 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro headquarters here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, uh, we're talking about the Underpresents again, but this time a little bit different. Uh, the Underpresents Tempest. It is an all new production uh, that has popped up inside the Underpresents. There's actually like a, a kind of total rearranging of the way. Uh, the the app presents itself now uh, in terms of how you buy it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what they've done is they've tapped into the live actor corp that they've they've been running with for a while. And a quick disclosure, uh, I helped out uh, part of the uh, initial casting process. Haven't been involved since then, like like formally or or any or getting compensated for it at all. Um, but just so you know, like once upon a time, did did a very very tiny bit of bit of work here um and they've they've taken this this wonderful energy that's been going on with the actors who are in the multiplayer space of the under itself and now they've turned this into a singular production uh kind of a cliff notes version of shakespeare's tempest uh that is played out um well, it's, it's acted out in part by the users themselves. We'll get into more of that uh, when we get into the actual interview. Uh, joining us today are going to be Samantha Gorman, co-founder and co-director of Tender Claws, uh, who directed and adapted Tempest. Eli Burke, who's a producer at Tender Claws, uh, who's uh, producing and the assistant director on Tempest. And Kelly Pierre, uh, who's one of the actors uh, who will be performing Tempest. Uh, Kelly has been in a number of immersive shows in Los Angeles. That's sort of the fun thing as, a, as an L.A. immersive person. It's very exciting to have a lot of the L.A. immersive actors, you know, uh, folks like uh, Caitlin Schiller, who was actually uh, got mentioned in The New York Times in a piece this week that is all about this kind of phenomenon that's happening. Dasha Kittredge, Terrence Clare, James Cowan, who I saw when I got to check out Tempest. It's just exciting to be able to connect with the folks who uh, we miss seeing in real life because of the unending. So anyway, um, yeah, that's that's where things are uh, right now uh, with what's, what's going to be coming down the pike here in a second. Let's do, uh, let's do the bookkeeping stuff that we do all the time. Uh, we've got a new backer this time out, uh, Dita Tapp, uh, and we also got a bump up by Allison Scott, uh, which means we're, we're making progress again. Uh, in fact, I think we were back to where we we were um, a month ago. So like we can move forward again. Uh, we're at 333 backers right now. Uh, and I see us as being right now on the road to 350 backers as our next big milestone. Uh, I know this is not an easy time. So everyone who's hanging in there, thank you all so much. And anyone who can jump in, oh man, um, yeah, it helps out a lot, uh, to know that, yeah, let's not dwell on things, shall we? Our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mistry, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Brittany, and Elaine. You can join them all at patreon.com slash no Uh, 
will we be doing some fun stuff with the Discord soon? Because we haven't been doing the podcast in the Discord because uh, the recording in the Discord keeps on failing us. Yes, uh, we'll do some fun stuff soon. Uh, I want to just hang out there on the regular. So I may just publish um, some regular daily office hours and people can kind of come by while I'm like putting together a newsletter or, or doing some editing chores or, or whatever. Because uh, it'd be nice. Because sometimes that stuff gets lonely. So if you're out there and you're a backer and you like the Discord, let me know. Feel free to holler at me. Um, I love the chat about things uh, in that infernal machine. It uh, makes the day go by better. You're probably also wondering if we're going to do anything kind of like we did with the Here Weekend. Um, And I'll just say yes. Uh, We're starting to plan what our next kind of online manifestation of here is going to be. Uh, that also means uh, we've come to some decision points about what we're going to be doing with all the tickets that are still being very beautifully, mercifully held by everybody. Um, as the, the the world shapes up and gets clear, we're, we're structuring exactly what we want to do um, and try and make sure that we're honoring everyone who's stuck with us and also uh, opening the doors up for some more people because there's there's a lot of stuff um, while everyone's sort of like in digital only mode. There's a lot of stuff we can do to talk about uh, some of the issues that are are growing up and out there. Uh, in fact, I'm going to talk a little bit about that on the other side of this. For a second, I was like, "Oh, don't do that," because, and then I was like, "No, no, 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 no." It's it's there's a couple of things I want to I want to touch on. Uh, after the interview. So with that in mind, let's dive into this week's episode. Hey, Samantha, and also Eli and Kelly, who'll join you in a second. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Um, Samantha, it's been, I think the last time I talked to you, we could meet in person. (laughs) Um, and we were talking as you were kicking off the, and I guess just, I guess this things had started with the live actors in the under, right? Had you guys were already up and running? Yes. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah. And so just for those who might, I think most people who listen to the the long-time listeners to the show should be familiar, but just so people know what's what's the under kind of as, as a whole just that that short version of it uh sure yeah so the under is actually uh, more and more kind of a venue of sorts um but it's the a, kind of a meta venue in that it's a game about a uh a strange theater venue outside time and space and the two main components of the under are a more or less a kind of multiplayer world and hub with a stage that has both pre-recorded acts that were curated by Pie Hole and kind of a downtown New York theater scene, as well as um, live actors who were in there um, since November, at least pretty much every, you know, working hour of the day during um, California time. And the part of the live actors are they are able to represent um, new characters in this kind of world that's evolving. They're able to also kind of possess existing recorded NPCs and bring them to a life for a period of time. 
Um, and as this has kind of unfolded, there's also part community, um, you know, that's developed around it. And these stories have kind of uh, also evolved over time. Um, however, it's also very welcoming to new players. Um, and this sort of hub stage world is surrounding a single player narrative campaign where you can change time aboard a ill-fated uh, cruise ship, uh, sorry, ill-fated research vessel rather, and um, possibly alter the fates of these characters you see roving around in three acts. So it's, you know, you're very much in the middle of those acts as in an immersive theater context. And now, and the the live actor thing was incredibly exciting and was originally just supposed to be for a, 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 a tiny little pilot period. And now it's been extended uh, a couple of times, yeah? Yeah, so the live actor was always intended for about six months. Um, and the main version of the actors were as sort of these um, interlopers into the world that could help link the difference between the multiplayer hub space and the pre-recorded world with the lore. Um, and then... Various, you know, uh, things happened. And when we talk about the Tempest, we'll kind of get into one of the um, motives for us to expand the live actor roles and help support our cast. But it's been extended a few times and had even like some special stage shows for the month of March. And I think there's, it's, well, I'll ask awesome like <laughs> pandemic related questions later. But yeah, let's let's talk about like what is right now, which is, um, the Tempest. So all of this, all of what you just said is what the under has been. And now suddenly, you know, by the time this airs, uh, a new, like a second venue has like popped up inside the, the multidimensional space. Uh, and if you're outside the club, just to the left, there's a theater now and the theater is showing the Tempest. So, um, what what the heck happened in the multiverse? Yeah, um, it's, I mean, it's always been a growing multiverse. And then this multiverse, you know, with the changes to the world that, you know, hit everyone around February, the multiverse is like weirdly echoed a version of a real life in, in a fascinating way. Um, but we, you know, the development for a lot of the story in The Tempest, there were like kind of scripted characters or the idea of scripted characters, but a lot of it is more of a sandbox, sketch-based performance area. Um, there's a lot of devised, you know, theater techniques that's going into these performances in the under. Uh, so when uh, COVID hit, um, you know, and it was about the time that the under was planning to wrap, we realized a few things with the closure of physical spaces and even some of the day jobs of our cast were like, okay, in a very, there's a two pronged motive. A, we want to try to figure out how to continue to support these people that we've um, gotten very close to. And B, we, what does it mean to actually create a ticketed venue um, in this day and age? That's more of a, quote unquote scripted um, performance, you know, rather than uh, devised. Um, so those were the two uh, practical and artistic motivations. And then the Tempest came about because we was thinking about what kind of source material made sense that is, you know, people think is a reference point as, you know, this is, com you know, constantly common in immersive, you know, theater to like 
take something that's a cultural reference point and do different, um, you know, uh, versions of it. But also mainly because the under itself, actually, there's a lot of um, metaphorical overlaps between the two shows, right? The under itself is predicated on shipwrecks and lost voyages, but it is also a space where it's led by this kind of magician proprietor called the MC who's kind of creating magic and illusions with the audience in order to like create the show and, and kind of keep it entertained. So it's definitely, there's so many parallels between the choice of Tempest in terms of MC sort of Prospero versus like the, you know, what is the role of the artist and actor and, and Shakespeare and how he, you know, dealt with his audience um, releasing the uh, Prospero as the actor from applause at the end. And um, that we just felt it was a really beautiful kind of metaphorical segue into what this story of the Tempest could be in this venue of the under. Well, and there's also, I mean, I would say like most people who are going to be attracted to any kind of production of the Tempest probably are like to some degree familiar with the story. And what you've made here is a participatory production. So the each uh, the instance has a performer you know, doing the lines, guiding, sort of acting as director, guiding the 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 group of performer or the group of participants into, you know, pantomiming out the roles. Um, I want to talk about a bit about the evolution of of the 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 role of the actor in the under. Probably be good to bring Kelly in right now. Hey, Kelly. Hello. Uh, you've been you've been performing in the under uh for for a hot minute now um and you've also been uh a live immersive performer here in the la area and a, a creator of shows yourself how is this mode um how, how does it compare in in terms of performance and and, and the the co-creation thing with participants to live immersive you know, I think the biggest, well, I mean, the very basic element is that the players can't speak to you. Right. So that's something that you you spend a lot of time developing even how you communicate with each other or the type of things that we'll do in the under. There'll be certain, sometimes we'll tell them things like if you, because they can make different objects. So it's like if you make a an onion and make it tiny, then that means this, this, this. And so there's, there's a certain amount of like world navigating that you do with the players that you don't do in normal immersive. So I'd say that's the main difference. But, but what are the ways, are there ways that they, they align? So there's that barrier of, of not being able to talk. So you got to find like a, a different way to communicate. But are there are there similarities in terms of of creating? Because you know, my, in my experience of of the Tempest, like it it reminded me a lot of the kinds of experiences I will go to where it's a bit of like you know let's let's make a show. It reminded me almost as much as a, a acting class as it did a, an immersive, you know show in of itself like i actually had a lot of flashbacks to working with kids in shakespeare camp where we would do like micro versions mm -hmm. of the plays um so i wonder if you could talk a little bit about you know, this kind of of guiding people through sure the so the similarities then between 
Yeah. Um, well, I'd say the the main similarity is the the fact that you can't just ask an audience member anything in character uh, because they like if if you're putting everything on an audience member they don't it's like how do i navigate in this like what what do i have available to me to do so like the players in both the under and the tempest uh have access to a certain amount of magic they can perform and so if i if i go to them and samantha had given me this note just the other day it's like if i go to them and go like could you do some more magic they might be like uh i don't know can i do more magic so it's i think with both there's a certain amount of honestly connecting with someone but also giving them a frame of what they can do within the world um yeah if you don't mind i'm gonna um step into to yeah help so i think what kelly said is very true um there's kind of three principles like that i was working on defining in a dissertation i'm I'm i was working on about this and one of them is so similar to immersive and i think even just any even just game design or any sort of interactive parameters, which is setting boundaries and expectations and like being able to very quickly create those while also creating kind of intimacy and like expectation. Um, Because when you like through your immediate presence and your immediate connection with somebody, when you create those boundaries and expectations, it, I feel like it kind of gives them permission and comfort to like an act what is doable within the rules of the world. So you can't really like um, act without, you know, and have the agreement of a so on so forth in games entering into a magic circle without understanding what the parameters and boundaries of that circle, right? And like there, that, there's a little bit of a difference between I think what that is in the under and what that is in the Tempest. However, all of the Tempest, um, a lot of those, foundations as you were talking about was in acting scenes um there's times when the actor casts different you know players as different roles and you know uses their voice to like guide them and a lot of that and how you do that and define the world and the expectations was established in the under but in the tempest it's it's even more like defined and narrowed and made um less sandboxy and to a point where like the rule sets of maybe what is available to the players is like, you know, kind of like more confined and more constrained in terms of magic. So the actor has to, you know, be able to like guide them, but guide them. So they have the agency to guide themselves (laughs) to like execute those, those things. Um, And, and something actually really important to mention, especially for theater listeners is um, the context that this show is designed for and launched is, you know, we hope that, uh, and we are from theater and hope that it will have appeal to a theater audience. But people who play this may not necessarily, they may have heard that The Tempest is a play. They may know it's by Shakespeare. Um, it's going to be on a console that sees kind of game-like usage, which is um, The Quest, which is a, a VR you know headset. Even though it is definitely more in the realm of um, experiences, it still also borrows some language of gameplay and agency that you know we've been using. Um, and in, it's important to give them just the basics foundations of the play, which is also another way of defining the world and defining the constraints of this circle. Yeah, I mean, it, my experience of it, it was a very much a you know, collaborative storytelling mm-hmm. kind of game. 
you know, I mean, and in, like I said, it, it did remind me of all the experience I've had in my life. It reminded me most of, you know, Shakespeare summer camp. It's like, you'll play Miranda, you'll play Ferdinand, y'all be just, you know, spirits and do stuff. Literally, you know, one of the, one of the scenes you guys have. And, and, but, but without having the burden, it's funny, like, you know, people often, when they think about immersive, they, they get terrified at the prospect of, oh, you're going to, you're going to drag me on stage and make me do something. Right. Uh, and we spent a lot of time saying, no, 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 it's not like that. Uh, this is like that, but the anonymity, like we're all masks. We're just masked characters. We don't have voices. There's a freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a freedom in being given the constraint and and given something you know clear to do so that people can then like bring themselves to it. I, I found myself for a couple of the scenes in, when I got to do it, really impressed by how much the other players, mind you, it was a press preview, so who knows what was in there, but how much the other players were giving themselves over to the roles. Like there was one scene that was working pretty well <laughs> because of what the players were doing. And, uh, you know, obviously each time it goes through, like you know, your mileage will, will vary based on who's in there with you. But that the, that this, kind of tighter sandbox y'all have built um can also kind of help like you know let people know what it is they're supposed to be doing you know the sort of a a five obstructions you know version of a sandbox like a sandbox can often be pretty intimidating because you know well what are you going to do with all this like here here's unlimited space to go play in but then you got to kind of have an idea. But if someone's got an idea, then you can kind of play along and start riffing on it. And that's where, that's where some of the joy, um, and indeed like oftentimes in, in live immersive, some of, if it's got more kind of a co-creation vibe between the audience and the, the characters, that's when things get really fun because you don't necessarily know, you, you maybe know where the story's going to go, but you don't know how you're going to get there exactly. Uh, and that's something that you've definitely afforded for here. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, we, that's the hope. Um, I, I should shout out to, in, I don't know, Noah, how much you've been um, involved in this, but in the under, there are some actors like Michael Bates who pioneered. A lot of this is inspired by what we've actually seen people enjoy doing. So mm-hmm. he started doing this character, which was like a tour guide of these various places in the under um, but an interpretive tour. So he started like kind of sketching like one's as Druid, like you're in a Druid sacrifice and you're the Druid. Or um, there was one that was like a kind of riff off Romeo and Juliet in this garden. And players love, like, I think that was a, one of the like really um, things that blew me away of how much the physicality of people could, you could echo in their, see in their character. And they really loved like playing along. Um, yeah. And it seems like, they're really like the people who get into this project, you know, I mean, maybe that is partially, they're the people who you really want to do that. But um, so we're like, okay, well, how can we heighten and like really, you know, make them central to these roles? Um, it's also like the spirits who are helping, you know, basically Prospero create these illusions and, you know, execute the play itself. Um, but I, I, I think there's something larger getting back to, what and you know kelly i've seen and recorded it 
um, many, many of her performances over the months. And maybe she can like illustrate or give examples too of like time she's had with characters and like player. Cause like I say characters, cause the play, you can feel their energies <laughs> are different, like the players and like how they really get into showing the physicality of, you know, performing these roles. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it I I think there's something with what you said Noah about that that anonymity of of being behind a headset and that because you can't speak that it almost makes it I feel like immersive in general not everyone wants to be in the spotlight but it is like a it's an opportunity to be seen and I think there's something about being behind behind the visor that you want to be seen even more for a lot of our players. And so mm. I like some of them will even come up with uh, ways of moving that they'll do habitually to try to get you to remember them better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can, I can see that being like a, because there's, there's ways. I know that there's ways to like, you know, with the magic system, make something and like you be kind of easy to identify. Oh, this is the person who always tries to give me a fish, mm-hmm. right? Like that kind of thing. But then, but even though there's a, a limited range of, of motion, cause you've got your hands and your, your head basically that you can, you know, used to, 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 to gesture it, there's still just enough fidelity in that to kind of, get a sense of how someone moves through space mm-hmm, which, which is kind of kind of weird even like you wouldn't think that if you limited someone down to just just the relationship of their hands that that's enough to kind of start to like get a sense of who someone is isn't that amazing yeah Eli, I want to bring you uh, into the mix here because you've been with the project for for a while now I'm wondering uh, you know what did you see in the the development of you know the the actor core in the under uh, as a whole that sort of is manifesting now in the tempest yeah um you know like samantha said the under is this huge sandbox and um the the goal of a lot of our the actor tech and the way the actors perform and, and what the actors do is so centered around giving them the freedom to kind of choose what they want to do at that moment and respond to anything that a player can do. And as, as we were looking at that and thinking about Tempest, so much of what we had to change is, is refining that to be the streamlined experience, which um, you know, is, isn't a sandbox and so needs to be automated in some ways or have new powers and new abilities that uh, orient themselves to that very, very intimate encounter. Um, just like Kelly was saying and Samantha was saying about how players will do things to make you to remember them or or have roles in game, that's something that we wanted to lean really heavily on in Tempest, where players are cast as persistent characters throughout the entire experience, where you know one player is Miranda, the other's Ferdinand, the two lovers in the show, and in all of the scenes, the actor can reference them as that, and at the end they can thank them and call out specific things they did and and show that they really have made the show and they have made the difference and that's something that we see the community under really eat up in game they have these storylines with characters i know kelly's involved with many of them and they love having a role in it and being the show and being the story and and this was the opportunity to capitalize on that and give them that really 
intimate experience of of being the story. Let's let's take a moment there and, and dive in on this idea. Kelly's involved in some like some long running storylines here, so like. <laughs> Bring 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 up because I know that there's like a Discord and there's Reddit threads and there's like mm-hmm. there's there's an elaborate you know body of lore. But t- talk to me about this. Like there's there's on there's ongoing storylines inside the the sandbox. Oh sure, I mean, so there there's so many different. We have a a pretty wide group of um, devout players that depend and depending on what days of the week they or what times of the day they can get on the game, you see certain players more. So I, there's a lot of wonderful players, but I've come across a couple where like, and to be performing with a group, like they've been our audience for half a year. Like that's, that's insane to have that level of connection with your audience. And so like we have one player who has always been very, he's like studious about reporting what's happening and he's he would always be there but like kind of hanging back in the back of the group but I could tell that he wanted like he was really showing up but didn't uh did, didn't ever want to interrupt or mess up a performance so uh, I have uh two of my characters are a skeleton and their broom and I play them simultaneously uh, and so I decided to have, and the brooms have a whole backstory and there's a sweepers union. Like there's so much about the game. That's sort of this, it's like you had a dream and then your brain made sense of it. <laughs> and so, uh, my, my broom fell in love with this player's broom and they had a whole, they've had a whole arc. Uh, they just recently, the brooms got married and we were the, the best skeleton and best time sprite uh and gave toasts and everything like that and so there's there's things like that that sometimes happen there's uh there's a couple players that will always show up for my uh cat character who's uh queen of a certain sect of the under which is there's a whole i i won't try to i have tried to explain these storylines to like my family so many times and they've been like i i'm you sound happy is that <laughs> that's like as much as they can get out of it? Um, but like some some players are there a lot for these like co- these battle moments, and so they become like known as being like our the guards or the the soldiers of that kingdom. Like people just get kind of swept into what they keep showing up as, basically. How do I mean my my memory of of how it works is that you know you log in and you kind of get you get dropped where you get dropped mm-hmm. uh in terms of you know which server you might be on how how are people uh you know knowing when to show up when a, a thing is going down is it by luck of the draw do people like jump mm-hmm. out into like reddit or discord and say like oh hey you know like you know this kitty's like doing the things <laughs> happening right now like does does word go out and then people log in and hope to get through like because there there is this social aspect to it but it it, 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 if I remember correctly, or maybe you've changed things, like there's a little bit of a luck of the draw. Yeah. Um, it's actually, you know, to be honest, there's a lot of like crazy, like, you know, whatever you want to say, but crazy, like, you know, innovations in terms of like performing digital space, performing in VR, but like from an academic standpoint, like having obviously, you know, spearheaded this project, um, the most fascinating thing that's come out of, that I didn't 
fully anticipate the whole like depth and range of is the social dynamic of acting and performing and digital spaces and what this means. Um, and that we've like learned, you know, like kind of, as Kelly said, you know, these people have been um, in audience and been now like actively part of a game for, for half a year. And Terrence was making a reference this morning, how even in immersive, you might have a show that like could evolve over time, but it's usually like, okay, you get X amount of audience members through, and then like they have their next up ticket for their next iteration. But what the digital media allows is for like instantaneous feedback and access um, for an actor to between the actor and audience, which is insane. Um, and like what that actually means for like strategies of like adjusting and interpreting performance, not only like in the moment of the digital encounter, but in this sort of like other kind of alternate, you know, um, layer and meta like reflection on it is like crazy. Um, so what often happens is, and like the way that you're saying that server works um, is people, actors will plant seeds, but you can't, it depends. Like so if we really want something to happen, yes, you can plant it once, but it, and that will get around, you know, through various communities, or it's something where the nature, you might have to like kind of iterate and repeat um, in different ways because of the nature of how the, the server works. Um, but even like in the, like the difference between, like there could be these one-off, like a marriage or a birthday party instances, right. which could then get recorded and shared. Um, or in a situation where we have, like, we decided to do like an event or stage shows, what that actually means in terms of like all these simultaneously different running paths or actors at the same time could be another way of doing it. There's like totally different strategies depending on which, you know, um, story point you want to address to. I think something else, and sorry, I'll, I'll butt in for a second. Something that I've talked with Samantha about is, and I, I, I really appreciate is that part of the magic is that you don't know whether you'll see an actor or what's going to happen. You, you don't have a set show time in the under. You don't have um, any kind of objective or quest unless an actor happens to give you one. You just log on and, and you just see what happens. And to me, I, I really appreciate that fact where players, it, that, that makes every interaction really, really special because it means it's organic and it comes up because it happens to come up, not because it was scripted or um, somebody planned it way ahead of time, which we do do sometimes. But I think to me, one aspect that I particularly enjoy is just that, that spontaneity of it. I think the difference between the under and the tempest is like, um, and trying to explain it to kind of, you know, theater people, like the under is more of like a world. It's more of, that's really kind of what it's become. It's like a world and like a venue where the tempest is what might be more traditionally thought of in like digital performance, where there's a show. One thing I've been wondering about the the Tempest experience is, you know, it, it is a show, it is ticketed, you know, in in in, in the technical terms, it's like DLC or an in-app purchase from a software point of view, but it's it's a ticketed show. I mean, there's a box office that you walk up to, you know, select your time. I'm wondering though, like, if if I wanted to go see the Tempest with friends is that something that works? Could we like buy out uh, an instance or will we like buy tickets to a time and then get like, maybe like 
maybe be dropped into the same one or maybe be dropped into a different one. I'm, I'm really curious as how that's working. Cause I know that for some people that social aspect of going to an immersive, even if they wind up getting broken up um, is, is a big part of the lure. Yeah. I mean, that's something we're definitely looking into um, at the moment. Like there's a chance you could be with your friend or you could get broken up um, because like the nature of the way that we think about like the, the anonymity and the freeness of audience and like making connections that you wouldn't necessarily expect. It's not, it's not something where you're going to like go with all your friends and buy a ticket, you know, at the same time to do an escape room together or something like that. Right. Where there's a sort of like community um, that could, you know, spring up that you are a member, you know, like are a member of, um, so it's a little bit of a different philosophy of like interaction and engagement, but like it, it's potentially possible and we're looking into ways of, you know, making it more possible, but the under wasn't just by the sheer to make the sheer scale of like something like what we did work. It wasn't designed originally to be done with friends. Right. It's, it, there's. I feel like there's like upsides and downsides to, you know, both approaches, you know, like, cause there's, and in, in a, in a non COVID world, I think it wouldn't be as kind of in your face as, as it feels right now. I just know that there's, there's a big thing that a lot of people, there's a big thing I know that I'm missing, which is, you know, seeing my friends at the show, right. Or like running across people or particularly to like have that, you know, post show discussion. And there's always something in an immersive where if you have seen, you know, different instances or different performers, you get to trade notes. Oh, what did your person do? Right. And that's, that's yeah. part of the fun. Um, but then the other, the other part of the fun can be when you are, you know, in the moment with someone and be able to immediately come out and just be like, oh my goodness, like, you know, this, this part was so. Yeah. And so people, enjoyable. people definitely might, you know, still be with their friends or, you know, they can trade notes, um, you know, through voice chat um, as well. Um, and I think uh, Shannon actually from our devs have some spec on this is um, to be more clear I do think that there is value in it. It's something that's hard to describe because you want to do with your friends, but then there's a sort of, for me, like I'm very inspired by journey, for instance, mm -hmm. and the sort of intimacy and just human connection that you can, you can make as like a character going into the show. And because it's not like you're playing yourself and you're waiting for your friends or yourself, but you're becoming like this sort of spirit, right? And the sort of like intimacy and connection you can make with another person that you may or may not know. I think that's the sort of intrigue and the magic part of it as well. Um, there's also, I think, a thing where to pull something like this off is super difficult. So anytime you try to do um, matchmaking in certain ways, it also makes the tickets much more expensive or much more difficult to scale. So that's something mm. that we're considering. That's something I hadn't thought about that like that aspect of it is, is it's, it's funny. Cause like 
the things you can do in physical reality like if you have four physical rooms you can either make it so it's like oh yeah just like pick which room you want to buy uh versus the digital version of that where it's like well in order for you to like have that we're gonna have to like code this entirely different system it's like but it's just rooms right yeah like like, like there's it's not really an analog yeah yeah like you think it's one way but it's like totally different um um I, I know you guys like to play things close to the to the vest, and well, actually, how long were you working on this? <laughs> like, how long has this been been cooking? Were, were the were the cabaret nights like p- part of this test? Like, yeah, you guys are really scheming. So, like, what's up? How, um, how yeah, we don't together? mind. I mean, what happened, as I said, was it actually is very fast. I think rehearsals were a month. Um, oh, wow. And it's crazy, like, if you look at the, you'll see, you know, the final product, we're like, how did they get this up so fast? And we, you know, we were able to get it up to the level of, like, polish, because there's crazy, there's a bunch of different worlds and effects. Um, Because we, you know, we have a great team, and we have people who have been training for this, you know, more or less since November. Um, And we're just really game for it. And we... It's very much a product of our time. In fact, it opens with the live, the fourth wall breaking and the live actor kind of talking a little bit about their situation. Um, and we very much like wanted to kind of give like a respectful acknowledgement of that. Um, but yeah, it was definitely a product of a team of us coming together and the actors in a very short time to you know, put this forward to address our current position. Does, does this feel like something that, you know, if, if the audience reaction is strong, that, you know, the Decameron Theater may may find other things on its marquee in the future? Or, or is the roadmap about continuing to, you know, build out the, the metaversal world? Or maybe maybe both? Like, like yeah, do you, do you have a... Do you see what's on the horizon and, and are there things you're kind of trying to drive towards? Um, yeah, I mean, who knows, you know, I mean, it's, uh, we're going to see, I think we're all super proud and, and, and love this project. Um, you know, we always have multiple other projects that are theater at play. (laughs) Um, and, you know, I'm definitely not, um, I'll be doing more in, in theater in the future, but, we want to, you know, help support our cast during this time. And, you know, there's potential that it could live on past that. I think that covers uh, a big chunk of what, I mean, I guess for someone, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, 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 I'm always just so impressed by, just what y'all are managing to pull off in this. And when, she, when Shannon reached out and said like, Oh, Hey, we, we've got something uh, and it's going to go up like in a couple of weeks. I was like, uh? and, and on the one hand I was like surprised. On the other hand, I was like, Oh, this makes perfect sense. Like, of course they're going to do that. Right. Like it just feels like a natural progression of, of where, where you guys were going. Um, I guess, Eli, Kelly, is there anything anything else about this process that you you want folks to know about? 
there's um oh go ahead Elon. oh go ahead kelly <laughs> this is all of our uh, rehearsals <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, I would say the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is, and one of my favorite things with working with Tender Claws is that they they always lean into what each actor, like how each actor works. They, it's like even when I first was brought on, it's like we're going to find like what you bring to the table and the way you go about things, which is amazing. And it also means that there are like, we're all doing The Tempest. But the actors performing The Tempest, we all have, it's not the same show between actor to actor to actor. And that's such a cool thing that it's, it's all Tempest, but it's, depending on who is doing it, it's a different flavor. It's a different uh, way of interacting with the players. And so that's, that's something that I feel like is worth mentioning. And part of the fun of not knowing what you're going to get when you like go into the show is like, you don't know which of us are going to get. Yeah, that's actually a super, Kelly, thanks for bringing that up. And I think that was a really lovely sentiment and a super good point. <laughs> I got you. Like, you know, Kelly, um, who has, you know, a lot of traditional stage training. And then the other spectrum, we have people who are Henson puppeteers and clowns, right? So like <laughs> the, um, and they're all like, I think really special and unique in their own ways, but the, you know, the, timber of the show could be very different i think i i remember we had one rehearsal it's about halfway through the production we, we had the script everyone was slowly getting off book because we were on such a tight time frame you know every, we were all a little worried like are, are we gonna have enough time to do this like we're moving really fast but we're actively developing and also have to do rehearsals at the same time and like we sat down and i remember thinking at a rehearsal i mean you know that we have a script but it's really just a suggestion. And, and that I, I'm really happy that a lot of our actors have taken that to heart in the best possible way. Yeah, there's, there's, there's something, and, and that show, like the Tempest itself does lend itself pretty, pretty easily to that. Mm. Like there's so much, there's so much that the, the lore of that world and just, just what that, what that play brought to, you know, literature and, and drama as a whole, like it, it echoes and, and bounces around. I mean, there's so many, not just productions of the show, but there's so many things that have been inspired by it and riffs on it. So um, it's, it's definitely um, the perfect vessel. Um, even if the vessel does, you know, break apart at the beginning, but it's the perfect vessel for <laughs> this, this, uh, for this kind of exploration. Um, I know um, we don't have the definitive uh, date when we're recording this for when people will be able to access it, but um, if people want to experience the Tempest, uh, how are they able to do that? What what do they need? Um, they definitely need a quest, and there are, um, you know, Eli can, and uh, Shannon can help elaborate as well, but there is going to be ability to go into the the app, um, you know, for free, and then you go to the box office, and you can reserve a ticket. Um, we'll have some, some same-day tickets and tickets you can reserve in advance. When you also 
purchase a Tempest ticket, you get access to the whole multiplayer world of the Under as well. So oh. um, anybody who has not experienced the Under yet can do so just after seeing Tempest and, and have those other live encounters and, and other player encounters. Oh, so this so this is so if you if you've got if you've got the under already, you'd be able to buy a ticket to the Tempest. But if you don't have the under already, you would be able to buy a ticket to the Tempest and then you'll get the the lobby. Would you get Timeship as well? Or is, will that be a separate purchase? Like if you go the other way, if you're if you're a brand newbie going straight to the Tempest. Yeah, so you can, it's it's sort of like your choice. The app is free, and no matter what you purchase, you get access to the whole multiplayer world, but you can choose whether you want to first experience Time Boat and the multiplayer, or you get to, with the Time Boat is our, our single player, uh, sort of eight plus hour story-driven experience. Um, and Or you can watch a, a Tempest show, and then also after that, explore the multiplayer as much as you want. This is fun. Like, I... I'm so glad this has happened because I can just keep on seeing things get added. So like the second, the second you set this up, I was, I was hoping it was going to go this way. So I'm happy. <laughs> I love that response. Um, it makes me happy. Yeah. All right, y'all. Um, oh, think, and, and, and no, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think we, we can say our, we are launching on July 9th. So um, very soon. Nice. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, then I know when we're going to air this. So uh, this will be, the the show will have been live for like a day when this uh, jumps out there into the world. Um, all right. Well, Eli, Kelly, Samantha, thank you so much, and thanks to Shannon for setting this up. And um, I guess I'll see you guys in the end. I love that. Thank you so much, Noah. Awesome. Thanks, Noah. Thank you, Noah. Great to talk. Once again, I want to thank Samantha, Eli, and Kelly for being our guests on the show this week. And you should, if you have an Oculus Quest or Rift, check out the Under Presents Tempest on those platforms. Uh, You can download the core app. Uh, It's got about 45 minutes worth of a demo now where you can kind of run around and see what it's all about. And And Tempest is, I believe, about 15 bucks. And Time Boat, which is the original single-player experience, is about $12. Both of those get you uh, sort of unfettered access to the multiplayer world of uh, the Under itself. So give it a whirl. See what all the hubbub's about. Because everybody's talking about it. Don't you want to do it too? No, seriously, like everyone's talking about it this week. Like New York Times... CNET, our friends over at Harbuzz, like everybody's talking about it, and uh, I'm 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 quite happy. This this moment we find ourselves in, um, <laughs> this strange moment we find ourselves in, but one of the few good things is that uh, this experiment has kept on going on, and um, it's it's really pushing us towards a future that uh, the happy part of the future uh, that I've been waiting to see uh, come to fruition for some time. There's a lot going on right now. Um, You know, everyone being outside of their routines has sort of turned this era into an era of reckoning. Um, We see that with the Black Lives Matter protests. 
um, the movement that has just really uh, just it's it's been galvanized and there's there's these real sort of these glacial changes that have needed to be made and there's motion towards them and there's there's also a lot of of counter motion these are not none of the changes that we're seeing right now are going to be done uh easily <laughs> that's that's for for damn certain and uh there's there's a real there's a there's a there's a toll a psychological toll for a, a lot of people uh sometimes deservedly so and um other times there's just people who aren't ready for for change and and they don't know why things are changing because it's outside of their direct experience um that's just a that's a general observation in our own world in in the immersive space um in some corners we've seen uh, past misdeeds brought back to life uh, brought brought into the light uh, things that folks weren't necessarily willing to talk about um, when the day-to-day, week-to-week pattern of their lives sort of put a pressure on it. Um, that's that. For some of these, I'm going to avoid the details. Um, but one I will draw your attention to, um, and it's, it's a story that's, uh, you know, not the circle is not yet complete on it, uh, but it's definitely something we're going to be watching. Uh, which is there was a pretty lengthy article in Forbes last week, and we put it into Everything Immersive this week about the Museum of Ice Cream and about the atmosphere, uh, the, the, the corporate culture that was created. Uh, I recommend you check it out. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. Um, there's some pretty, some pretty heavy duty stuff there in terms of just. Uh, the way employees were sort of retreated straight up. Um, there's, there's so much going on right now that really can be traced to how we do and don't value labor in this culture um, that just needs to be addressed head on. Um, this can be seen outside of our world as well. I was uh, listening this uh, week. Um, I'm about to have like the most public radio nerd uh, thing I've said in a while. Well, in the past six hours. Uh, I was listening this week to the new Make Me Smart podcast from American Public Media, which is not NPR, uh, specifically the folks who make Marketplace. Uh, it's with uh, Kai Rizdal and Molly I forgot Molly's last name, sorry. Uh, with Kai and Molly, <laughs> shows it made me start with Kai and Molly. And specifically, they were talking about, um, you know, reopening the economy and education and childcare, and how, you know, we're not really ready to reopen this economy until we've got the childcare thing figured out. And just one of the points that was made was one, how expensive childcare is, and two, the fact that, like, the people, even though it's really expensive, the people who are doing it are getting paid, like, minimum wage. And... It just just gets to this point where everything that's just systemically wrong with the way we've done things forever is being revealed right now. now I don't want to say that systemic change is is easy or that building things fresh from the ground up is easy. I'll tell you right now, as we're staring down the barrel of starting a 501c3 and starting a 501c6, 
these 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 are complicated, unnecessarily complicated things um, that are kind of soul draining to go through the bureaucratic process. And yet in order to have an institution, uh, these are things you must do a lot easier if you're, you know, wealthy, if you have a lot of financial resources available to you, uh, not as easy if the resources you have are just, you know, volunteer labor and people's time, particularly if it's not, if, if, if there is another work. <laughs> so the, the the decks are really stacked against creating change. And yet, in this moment, we find ourselves called to create change. We find ourselves watching, for those of you who are outside of America, congratulations, we find ourselves watching a country um, just at cross purposes with itself and staring out, looking at the rest of the world and seeing that the rest of the world's kind of got its act together in a lot of ways, not in all ways and not in all places, but in a lot of ways. And I just, I, I just know that for all the turmoil that's already been this year, we ain't done yet. How that's going to impact our world one, I think we're going to see more stories like the one told at Forbes. Now, you might be wondering, why isn't no pro out there writing those stories? Well, we don't have lawyers, <laughs> and so we don't have an easy way to not get sued. And also, uh, you know exactly how much we make uh, a month because you see the Patreon. And a real investigative journalist uh, being edited in a way and being backed up uh, in the way that they need to be backed up and edited, it's not in the budget. I would very much like one day when we have that 501c3 running to be able to staff out that way. As it stands, um, that's what our social media is for, is to spread the word when it gets out. Um, I've had to learn this lesson the hard way, um, and it frustrates me to no end. But nevertheless, I think we're going to see more stories. I also think we're going to see people uh, build better forward. There's a lot of conversations we need to have about what that is and what that means, what it looks like. I'm taking the tack that... The, the highest principle here is both as it's, it's, a, it's a pragmatic principle, but I think it's also a true value, which is pluralism. And the idea that we really are in this together, whether it's COVID or Black Lives Matter, the Me Too movement, climate change, it doesn't matter if you're not directly impacted by the policies that are causing injustice. You are indirectly impacted by them every waking day. There's no avoiding it. You may be impacted in that you're given an advantage that folks who are impacted do not have, or you too 
because the people you care and love about are negatively impacted, they write down in there with them having suffering on some level because of the injustice. And all of us, all of us, are in this mess when it comes to the level of climate change for absolute certainty. We have a responsibility as makers of culture to not turn our eyes away, to not plug up our ears and to help give voice to those who are not being heard otherwise. A lot of ways to do that. Doesn't necessarily mean rocking the mic yourself. So, these are things that are on my mind, along with a lot of stuff going on in family life. These are things on my mind at the moment, and in Texas. There's a lot on my mind at the moment. Um, I'm thinking about this pretty much like every day, and thinking about what it is we can do as a platform in order to facilitate these conversations and in order to direct attention where it needs to be directed. Because that's pretty much the one thing we can do. The one thing we can do because we do not have the resources to do other stuff is help direct attention, is put a spotlight where we can on those who are doing the work. All right? So keep your eyes peeled. Share things out. And let us know what's going on out there, right? Keep us in the loop. We will do the same for you. And yeah, uh, I think there's going to be a good number of conversations about all of the all of the things that are um, there's there's just the um, the like a 31 page uh, document uh, framed as, as demands um, uh, about uh, changing the the culture of you know, of American theater, uh, just got, got dropped. I'll link that in the notes as well. Um, specifically targeted at the white makers of theater who have most of the power in American theater, just to be frank about it. Um, that's something that should be engaged with in our community. Uh, there's some real issues, uh, even internally here at, uh, at NoPro and at the Institute we're referring to as the pipeline problem. There's a real problem when it comes to how inviting this space is for black creators and other creators of color. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a real issue. And uh, it's something we're kind of acutely aware of in our ranks, you know, because we have people of color on our staff and have long been part of our, our, our core team. And that we go out into the world and we don't, we don't even see like the makeup of our team reflected in the makeup of what's being created out there. And it's, it can get even more complicated than that. I had a conversation with some this week and I won't speak their story for them, but you know, they, they were trying to do something in an adjacent space and they were, they were rocked by the negative response they got to trying to widen the conversation. And there's just a lot of, there's a lot of work to be done. Um, and the biggest thing I want to do is I, I don't 
want to run, 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 run out and try and like do a bunch of stuff when we don't have the resources to back it up or make it sustainable and then lose all the ground. I'm like laser focused right now on whatever gets built, it needs to not be able to be washed away. And if more energy has to be spent kind of closing the door to the past than building out the runway in the future at the moment, then so be it. That's what needs to be done. All right, enough rambling for me tonight because none of that was written or planned. Um, <laughs> recording this Thursday night. I'm looking forward to talking to you next weekend. Um, more, more, more than why I'm more fractured than usual will make sense next week. I'll talk to you then. All right. Uh, let's do the core things. Um, bring it up on the computer. Here we go. The sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mustery, Sidney Guillory, Jeremy Charles Hahn, Brittany, and Elaine. Thank you all so much. You can join them at patreon.com slash nopersinium. The music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Find everything we do at nopersinium.com. We're at No Persinium on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we are at no underscore Persinium on Instagram, which, which we're kind of light on these days, but we'll probably fire it back up in a bit. Um, and you can um, you can find us uh, in the NoPro Slack. Uh, look for links. Uh, they're everywhere. And until next time, thank you for the wearing the mask. Thank you for wearing the... Thank you for the wearing the... Oh, anyway... You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs>